What's up, everybody? Welcome back, Full Court Prince. It's your host, Pierre. Matt's in the building. We got Brian Louise filling in for Riley today. Riley, I know you're not here due to the Rams beating the Seahawks, but I still love you, man. Mm-hmm. Brian, Matt, how y'all doing? Man. I'm good, yeah. Oh, oh, you go ahead, Brian. You go ahead. <laughs> uh, you know, just uh, I'm in utter shock that I didn't think James Harden. I mean, I was on this program, what, three weeks ago, and I said I don't think James Harden will get traded for a while. But, you know, of course, unless he forced his way out, which he did, you know, kudos to him. That'll be the big topic of today. But um, otherwise, you know, life is good. It's starting off the new year. Well, COVID, uh, is, is, uh, with all the COVID precautions going on, of course, you know, just trying to start off the new year fresh and well. That's yeah. the best part. Matt, go ahead, man. How you doing? Man, I am so good. You know I like my blockbuster trades. I'm loving this. Um, I feel good. It's a good day out here in Phoenix, just enjoying, enjoying the day. But, Pierre, the real question as a Rockets fan is how are you? Well, I – Took yesterday to process it, and I'm actually okay. You know, we if you've been following basketball from the start of this season, the offseason, training camp, all that, you knew this was coming. The tension was so sharp you could have cut it with a knife. But watching the last two games against the Lakers, we were destroyed. Like, we literally couldn't do anything. Defense was bad. Transition offense, transition defense turnovers, body language. It just was terrible. The first game, you know, he came out, you know, we got to watch film, get better, chemistry, this, that, and that. During the game, though, the second game, he just didn't look like he cared anymore. There was one particular play that stood out to me. I believe KCP got a steal. He was running to dunk the ball. And James Harden is just trailing him. And I'm like, you're not going to play defense? Luckily, KCP blew the dunk, but still. And then Harden spoke and said, well, I love this city. I've done everything I can. This situation is crazy. I don't think it can be fixed. Thank you. And left. (laughs) So it's bittersweet because... You know, everything he's given us over the last eight, nine years. I mean, you know, conference finals opportunities, playoff opportunities, high scoring. Um, You know, I went to a game last year and it just, I was happy. I'm happy that I was able to see him play in Houston. You know, so he's moving on to Brooklyn now. I don't know what to expect from the Rockets just yet. However, I'm happy for him. Hopefully he you know, finds everything that he's looking for. He's back with his boy, KD. Um, Kyrie is a question mark right now. But on paper, they look good. And as a Rocket fan, I just got to move on and focus on what's to come. Yeah, it's not like you guys didn't get anything for him. You guys got a lot. Does it feel good to get um, all those picks that you guys have lost? Oh, yeah. We, you know, definitely got some first-round picks coming in. And um, the question is, do we compete or do we tank? You know, that remains to be seen. But, man, think, it's just – Yeah, wow. I think with the roster you guys have, you guys still have a competitive roster. Yeah. Do you guys want to keep that 
Um, or do you guys want to go like uh, full tank mode and, and get even more picks and more young players um, in trading away guys like Eric Gordon and PJ Tucker um, and maybe John Wall if you could find a suitor and things like that? Yep, right now I can tell you we're not a top six team. Seventh, eighth, maybe tenth at best, but we're definitely not, you know, there anymore. And it's okay, it happens, you know. Maybe this will be better for us. I mean, because with Harden, we kind of lacked our identity. And I know Brian wanted him in Boston. No, I'm just kidding, Brian. <laughs> but, you know, it just. If he was seven feet tall, maybe. Yeah. You know, there was a lot of teams out there covering Harden. And I know one of the deals you posted, Brian, was that we wanted Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, a first-round pick, and something else, right? It was two ones, and I'm presuming that Aaron Naismith or Romeo, or Romeo Langford would probably be the two additions in that trade, regardless. Ooh, Aaron Naismith. Yeah. Yeah, so. Ooh, I mean, I do like Victor Oladipo. I do, but there was some speculation going around that he may not even want to play for us. So I don't know, man. At this point, I'm just trying to waiting to see what happens. Well, if that's the case, Boston has a trade exception. We'll take Eric Gordon, PJ Tucker, and Victor Oladipo for like all the youngsters at the bottom of our roster and two first round picks. That's perfect. We'll take Eric Gordon, PJ Tucker, and Oladipo. There you go. I mean, we won't. We won't. We still. We will have like seven footer scoring on us. We'll lose in the finals in five games, but at least we'll win the East with that roster. That'll be fun. I do think there is going to be some teams calling the Rockets for PJ Tucker. Okay. Absolutely. At least at least six teams already. By the way, an expiring deal, right? Seven. Right. Seven or seven million, eight million right 7. now. Seven point nine million, something like that. Yes. Um, on an expiring deal, you're gonna every competitive team should be calling for PJ Tucker. Yeah. I mean, Kyle Lowry will be another player that will get called uh, for Toronto on another front. And then Eric Gordon, I think, will be a very valuable prospect in his own right. Because, I mean, let's face it, with Eric Gordon, he's still a good shooter. He can create his own basket. And keep in mind, like, he's a veteran that knows how to put the ball in the basket. He's always been able to score. He's been able to find every way to score. And I think for a team that needs an offensive presence coming off the bench, he's a perfect player for that. You know, um, maybe a young New Orleans team that's looking to kind of replace the veteran presence True Holiday gave him. Even Miami, where they have some of their young guards, but maybe a more experienced Eric Gordon might complement a Jimmy Butler better. So I think, you know, some teams have to figure out, but it's not, you can't just make, and this always comes up in SSAW all the time, like you can't just make trades to make trades. You know, like, oh, you trade for stars. Oh, you should want to trade for stars. The Nick, I call it the Nick Wright theory, um, where it's like, yeah, you, you know, you trade for – usually when you, you're better when you have better players. In the NBA, that may work out that way. But, like, chemistry-wise, there are some deals that were made in NBA history that made teams better on paper, but it screwed up the entire chemistry of that roster. Yeah, we see that a lot. You're very, That's very true. So that's something to keep in mind as well. Um, but as far as Houston goes, I think for Gordon and Tucker, they're going to be there's going to be plenty of interest. I mean, Victor Oladipo could be swung again. I, I don't think that's impossible. I mean, Trevor Ariza got traded one three times in one month, so I'm sure if another team wanted to take Oladipo on, if he didn't want to play in Houston, for example, that's 
that's a that's a deal that can be made. You know, you can go out and package something for that. Yeah, I, I, I'm a fan if, if of the Rockets kind of blowing it up. And I think with a lot of young talent coming into the league in the next that's coming up, I think that can be really good for the Rockets. It can be really good. And like I said, man, if if parts of me, you know, feels like oh, Oladipo, you know, he's a nice on-ball defender. He's a scorer. You know, he doesn't really command the ball like that. He can play off-ball. Attitude isn't bad. So, yeah, we're getting a nice guy who can give you 25 and 5 if he's healthy. But when I seen Levert, I was like, hmm, okay. But now that he's rerouted to Indiana. But Indiana looks good, too. I can't even front. Yep. Indiana is pretty much, they're still, like, one player away right now. Even with Karis LeVert from Oladipo, like, they're still probably about a small forward away. And obviously they didn't lose Miles Turner in this trade. So they still have a lot of value they can move to go get somebody else. Yeah, I, I really, I've, I've said this in our chat. I really like what Indiana did. Because I did not think Oladipo would return when he's a free agent. So I thought they were going to lose him for nothing. Um, and so I like instead getting Levert, who is, I think, about 4 or $5 million a year cheaper than Oladipo. I think he's getting paid $17 million this season. Oladipo was at $21-22. Um, so it saved a little bit of money there. But you have somebody who's on your books for a couple more years. And keep in mind, T.J. Warren had that contract he signed last year. So they're now pretty good at the wing, which was a position they've had issues with for probably the near-distant past. Even when Paul George was there, they never had any depth behind him and Lance Stevenson. So the wings positions, they now have two or three legitimate players with Brogdon in that mix as well. So that's a good, that's a good competent mix with uh, how the Eastern Conference is going to shape out. Yeah, and and you you bring up a good point. They still have Turner, who could possibly be traded. Um, I don't know exactly when the trade deadline is because it I believe got it's moved, right? March twenty fifth. March twenty fifth. So yeah, there's still there's still time um, for some of these trades to happen where they can add in um, some more some more players. Yeah, and obviously at that point there could be some injuries that could force the hand. Now there's a lot now with this uh, Harden trade. There was another drama going on in Brooklyn during the time of the Harden trade, and this kind of elements with the Harden trade because of everything, because of the timing and everything. So Kyrie probably self quarantined. This is probably what real reality happened. Kyrie was like, "Hey, it's my sister and my dad's birthday this week. I'm just going to quarantine for 14 days. It's January. It's the NBA. Big deal. Whatever." And so Kyrie self quarantined. There was an Instagram video that showed he had a little too much fun. Whatever. We could all live with that. Right. But, of course, then the Harden trade happens, and then there's rumors of how the team's mad at him, which I, I never believe never believe any of those reports. That's the first thing you learn when you get on the, on the whole – when you get dropped into that whole sphere. is like you don't believe anything that you get told, like, right when it happens. Because chances are that probably could have happened four or five months ago, and that gets dropped now just as, like, a blackmail point. Like, it's almost weird. But um, I think with Kyrie, Harden, and Durant – that's a really good team in the East. But the thing with everyone's reaction about Kyrie's whole, you know, we'll, we'll call this his new, I guess his new uh, act, but it's not even really his fault. It's just kind of like Kyrie attracts attention because he 
just denies it for some reason. It's so weird. I don't know. I don't get the Kyrie hate. And even as a Boston Celtics fan that watched the whole Kyrie saga ended in Boston, like I don't have any ill will towards him. He had a choice. His contract was up. His code with us, his honor with us was over at that point. And he left. He made a choice. So people are mad at him, but like he can't expect to get away with this kind of crap in New York or Boston or any of those big media markets. So... Well, so that's a whole different angle there. Yeah, the Nets, the Nets are interesting because do they? There's so many questions. Do they get Kyrie back? Does um, Harden and Durant coexist well together? I know they did with the Thunder, but they're both different players now and mature. Um, does Harden get back into shape? As we've seen, he's been a little out of shape. Um, and, and Durant's coming off an injury, so there's a lot of questions. They got a rookie head coach with Steve Nash. So there's a lot of questions that make it really interesting. I think it'll work. Uh, Kyrie taking some time off. The way I feel about that, like you said, you know, his birthday's in January. He's being smart. It ain't like he is trying to be around the team. You know, a lot is happening on in the world right now. And Kyrie moves different. You know, when he feels something, whether it's had to do with basketball or not, he's going to either speak on it or he won't speak on it. And, I mean, we really can't make our own assumption of what's really going on. A lot of people are saying he should retire. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I'm like, really? Like, let him? I mean, it's, honestly, it's better that this is happening now than later on in the season. I agree. Get it all out now. Focus on basketball because after January, February, March is when it gets real because that's when they go on that break and then the rest of the season comes out. So it's better all these issues. I'm like the harder trade, all that. I'm happy it's over with. He can focus, hopefully get in shape. Kevin Durant, they can build chemistry, momentum, and try to see where it goes. Steve Nash definitely has a lot on his hands. I mean, because when one guy is not hot, the other one will be, what if all three guys are not hot? My biggest concern for the Nets, though, is defense. Especially with trading Jared Allen and Karis LaVert away, two very capable defensive players. See, I, I remember saying on the show, I would have kept Brooklyn the way they were. And obviously, I get clowned for it. You know, because everyone's like, well, how do you say no to trading for James Harden? You want to win championships. You're not trying to get to the finals and lose. I go, but the thing is, like, those teams like Dallas in 2011, Detroit in the mid-2000s, those teams were good because they were characteristically good teams that all fundamentally fit one piece after the other, after the other, after the other. And, you know, yeah, I mean, okay, you can end up like the 90s Pacers and miss out on, you know, titles. You can end up like the late 90s, early 2000s Heat that scored a lot of points that missed out on titles. Sure. Maybe those teams should have taken more risks, but at the same time, Trading Karis LeVert and Jared Allen and Carrick's as well. I mean, these are three pretty good role players. When you had two stars already, it just, I mean, sure, Harden makes you a better basketball team. But, you know, when you match up against the Lakers, you're going to need Jared Allen when you play Anthony Davis. I mean, DeAndre Jordan's nice, don't get me wrong, but, like, Jared Allen's by far the better player. Karis LeVert, I think, is a more than capable number three player, like, I mean, Levert is 
a lot better. Like, if people compare, like, Lakers fans want to talk about Kuzma, like, Levert is a lot better than Kuzma, in my opinion. Did anybody say, did anybody say Kuzma was better than Levert? No, I just want to put that out there. Yeah, I just wanted to put that out there. People are talking some crazy stuff. But I mean, if the Nets are going to play the Lakers, but if the Nets are going to play the Lakers in the finals matchup, hypothetically, like, Karis Levert is your third best player, isn't totally like the, the reason you'd lose that series. You know what I mean? So that's why I think that Harden trade is kind of like a redundancy. I mean, if you were able to get, like, say, Bradley Beal, you'd probably have to trade just as much. But at least with Bradley Beal, you can say, okay, Kyrie's the one, Beal's the two, and Beal can play off the ball as a catch-and-shoot player. So it kind of works the way that Pierce, Allen, and Garnett worked in Boston, where each of them have their different role and what makes them what makes them all different. It's just with Harden and Kyrie, it just feels like, I'm not going to go the whole Charles Barkley dribble, 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 dribble meme. But, like, it's going to be a lot of ball handling. And we know KD doesn't really necessarily need the ball. He can he can use backdoor cuts. He can use any way to get himself open. But Kyrie and Harden are both players that, in crunch time, they want the ball. Now, obviously, I want Kyrie to have the ball in the last three minutes of a game. No offense to James Harden. But James Harden is the kind of person that could put the game on his back in the middle stretches of games. And then KD is the kind of player where, in his, if he's back healthy, Nobody gets off to a faster start than Kevin Durant does. That dude could put get teams out of out of the water in the first quarter. I've seen him do it. So if you really look at it, the way you just broke it down, it's like yeah. Durant's the starter. Not like the starter, but he's like he starts it off. Harden keeps it going, and then Kyrie finishes it off. That's like if you look at it that way. That's the selling pitch. If I were the Nets, like public relations person, that's how I would sell it to their fan base. Yeah, start, middle, finish, you know, and you are in a good situation. But, Matt, I propose this question to you, though. Yeah. Knock, no, knock, knock. I'm going to knock on wood first. Let's say DeAndre Jordan goes down with a major injury. Then what would the Nets do? Well, I think already they need to – they 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 should have a roster spot open, right? Um, three. Yeah, so I think you go and see which centers are available in free agency. I just think you need you need to do that anyways. Um, as I said, the Cavs released today Thon Maker. That could be interesting. I'm not saying he's this great uh, big man, this great defender. I'm not like Kevin Garnett saying he's going to be the MVP. I mean, they have Nick Claxton. They do have Claxton. I think adding another uh, big man, though, would be smart. Um, so I'd go, I'd go sign like a Thon Maker. Uh, there's not much out there when we're talking about big men that are free agents between, between uh, sorry, besides Thon Maker and uh, Tyson Chandler, but Tyson's up there in age. Um, maybe you, you get Tyson Chandler for defense and, and rebounding. Um, but yeah, I think, I think, yeah, you need another big man, whether uh, DeAndre Jordan goes down or not, just to be on the bench, just in case. Yeah, I, I like Jeff Green, but. Well, I mean, he did work out at the five for us last year. But in the East, is different. You got to go up against Embiid. Out of bio. Yeah, out of bio. You got Tice. You got Tristan Thompson. Lopez you know. and Giannis yep. and them. Yeah, so they definitely need another body. I mean, even Atlanta, they have John Collins and Clint Capella. Like, you need, you need some help yeah. there. Yeah, so I think you look at what's available and – it doesn't hurt to sign a free agent. You already got the spots open. Sign somebody to a minimum. Um, it's gonna be it's gonna be really interesting. I, I think the big winner for the Nets too is uh is is Harris, Joe Harris. 
Yeah. Um, this is going to free him up on so many open threes, even more than he has yeah. been. Um, because if when you have you have those three scores in plus a Joe Harris, um, he's going to be just left wide open in the corner every time. Man, so many catch and shoot opportunities. Yeah, and so if you play fantasy basketball, just go pick him up if you don't already have Joe Harris. I mean, Bruce Brown is somebody that's going to probably get a lot more playing time too. Now that yeah. I think about it, yeah, he played pretty good for the uh, Nets when they played the Knicks. Yeah, I mean Jeff Green. I'm I'm such a Jeff Green fan. I'm, I'm you know, uh, he's had a nice long career. Shamat Shamat's somebody who might end up like situationally. I mean, he's somebody that'll get that could have started in the old scenario with Lindenwoodie out, but now he's going to be back into a bench role, which I think fits him anyway. He's better when he can operate. People are talking about, oh, like Harden or Kyrie are going to have to operate with the second unit. I go, not necessarily. I think there's enough offense with the guys they have left that they can probably run that second unit through even if Joe Harris or – I mean, once Dinwiddie comes back next year, they'll have that They'll have that option. But, I mean, even with, like, if DeAndre Jordan's minutes were to be kind of intersected, Jeff Green is in there. He can put the ball in the basket. So – and even if they have like some interval where the, one of those one of those three guys stays on the floor, they're gonna be fine. I mean, Boston ended up using like Gordon Hayward as kind of a a point guard with the second team the last year and a half. So that's maybe something that they can do with James Harden or Kevin Durant also. So it's not necessarily out of the question. But for Steve Nash as a first year coach, this is like and that's the son Matt mentioned. Like this is gonna be very stressful. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and you mentioned a great point that, that nobody's brought up yet. Um, when Spencer Dinwiddie comes back, uh, that was a, a valuable piece that they obviously, because of injury, got to keep, um, which can be another trade piece uh, or just have him on your roster. I mean, hypothetically speaking, he's a guy that's a restricted free agent. I would hold on to him till the summer, and he could be a very similar side. That could be a side and trade scenario. To what Phoenix tried to do with Joe Johnson when he went to Atlanta, but um, they couldn't pull it off. That can be a really valuable sign and trade, right? So for a team like say Cleveland, I mean, I know this, let's uh, let's let, let's take Dinwiddie out of it because obviously Cleveland has enough guards. But for a team like Cleveland, has a lot of bigs that could work. Uh, for a team like maybe the Orlando Magic, if someone if, if Fultz is somebody that says, you know, what, we're committed to Fultz, but we're going to use Dinwiddie as a two guard instead. And they wanted to try that. Now they have Gordon and Vucevic they could offer in a sign-and-trade, or even Mo Bamba, for example. And I think the Nets is somebody like if – the Nets could take a flyer on a Mo Bamba and then take Evan Fournier, for example, to kind of replace the offense that Dinwiddie leaves behind. And Fournier is somebody that – Fournier, well, that system would be great. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's kind of redundant with Joe Harris, but not really. Right. It, it, he's a different kind of player. I think with that sign and trade that you can get with Dinwiddie, um, I know it's since you lost Jared Allen, but you can realistically replace with a really good big man um, with that. I mean, even Dallas, even some of Dallas's role players in Brooklyn could be like interesting. Cause I mean, if you put Dinwiddie with Doncic and Perzingis, that, that makes that offense a little more interesting. Cause now they have a little more dynamism there, but I mean, there's some other players on that roster, like Jalen Brunson, right. From Dallas. You put him on Brooklyn's roster. Now that's a legitimate backup point guard. Now Harden can play the two permanently, which I think for Harden at this point of his career takes a lot of stress off his back. 
Yeah, and- I think Harden's at the point where he he's not he probably playing the one is gonna like literally end his career like four maybe three or four years quicker at this rate. I, I know this is like a slim situation. This wouldn't really happen, um, but it would work good for the Nets if you got a a, a player like a Rudy Gobert in that sign and trade, a, a defensive big man who will get the boards, um, who can produce on offense, but can just be down there. Um, that that That's a good move for them, that's, whatever that's they can they find. Need. They need a rim protector and a rim runner, and that's what they got with DJ, but they need a- Right. I mean, at the same time, you could always – there's another player out there now. Keep in mind, Atlanta restricted free agency with John Collins. Now, obviously, John Collins is somebody that next to DeAndre Jordan, he could play next to him as a four because he's a more he's more of a stretch four than people give him credit for. But remember, Atlanta is going to have a problem keeping him happy. But at the same time, it comes down to does Atlanta think that Capella is the center of the future? Because that's going to answer their own question. I think they're willing to pay Collins, but they're probably willing to they want to offload Capella first. Yeah, but what if there's a scenario? Collins gets offered the poison pill. Oh, that Max? They did to Bogdanovich. Like, what if somebody does that to them? Um. Well, I mean, uh, Collins will probably have at least 10 or 11 teams, whatever. Whoever has cap money is probably going to want him. Because, I mean, after what happened with Christian Wood and how many teams kind of slept on the Christian Wood signing, and now uh, look at what he's doing to Houston, that always sends a ripple effect on the market. And I love what he's doing, and this is why – it reverts back to what I was saying about Oladipo. He's on an expiring contract. So we're going to have money next season. I mean, yeah, I mean, if Houston wants to rebirth the Twin Towers, they have enough money to go after Collins and Wood. I would love it, you know. With John Wall? Jeez. Yeah, exactly. If a healthy John Wall. If it's a healthy John Wall. And and for the most part, (laughs) John Wall has looked good. He has. I'll give him credit for that. You know, he... takes a lot of credit to work your way back from those injuries, but the free agent class isn't like, it doesn't really stick out in, you know, as it does previous years. So there's a few guys out there that we could look at or that even the net. Also keep in mind, those were two pretty decent draft classes because everybody kept those players. (laughs) That's another thing too. That's why there's not as many good free agents. Yeah. That's a big reason. All Adipo is going to get the money thrown at him. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, honestly, I mean, what would be a good fit for Oladipo at this point? Because I think I thought Houston was one of those three or four teams that would be a good fit for Oladipo from the very beginning. Um, because Christian Wood's there, because John Wall's there. And Oladipo, as I, as I said, like Harden, playing point guard at this point of his career is probably going to end his career a lot faster than not. Ruined Oladipo's career in the beginning. He was playing point guard. Right, but I think at this point in his career, he's more like what Hayward is being. I think if if he's used the way Hayward's used in Charlotte, I think Oladipo could be fantastic. And I think in in, in Houston, he could play kind of a big guard three. Yeah. That might be the next transition for Oladipo, kind of like what Tatum is in Boston, kind of like what uh, Siakam was used at in Toronto is kind of a big guard because that's pretty much what it is. He could put the ball on the floor. Obviously, he's not going to be able to jump over everybody like he used to. But, I mean, he, he can get himself in position to at least score 15 to 17 points a game. He'll probably get about six assists because John Wall will score some baskets. What about Dallas? See, Dallas, I feel like, is the best fit because 
He's a he's a veteran player. Porzingis is a good big to play off a of pick and roll with both Oladipo and J- Doncic, and obviously Jalen Brunson has flourished as well. And I think for Dallas, Oladipo is the best route because they could keep Brunson as a third guard, and I think that's what Brunson is perfectly. So now you have three players. Doncic played big time in Europe, so obviously that's not going to phase him to play in the playoffs. You have Oladipo, who's I mean he's been unfortunate to be on some Pacers teams that have had some really bad playoff matchups, but he's carried those teams. And never mind the fact you'll still have, and now you'll have, um, you know, Porzingis, who, you know, is unproven, but I mean, he's a matchup nightmare for most teams in the Western Conference to begin with. So, yeah, I like Oladipo to Dallas. Um, but they might want a younger guard. I mean, if I were Dallas, the number one option would be Bradley Beal, preferably. Yeah, yeah it, but he, Bradley Beal, they would have to trade for. Um, yeah, they don't have that. They, they would have to give up stuff. At least they could get Oladipo for nothing. That's so true. That's 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 probably the biggest thing too. Because you can almost swap salaries. There's a little bit of difference, but Tim Hardaway Jr. is making twenty million, and he's an unrestricted free agent, I believe. Um, at the same time, right. And so at that point, you're just really replacing Tim Hardaway Jr. with Oladipo, which which is good. Yeah, I mean, and, and another team that comes up in mind too for. Um, in my opinion, with Oladipo would be, uh, you know, I was thinking New Orleans, but I mean, it depends what goes on with Brandon Ingram too. But he's a restricted free agent; they have the rights to keep him. They were, they were, um, that was well, they signed him, right? Yeah, they, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they already signed him to an extension. So I mean, that's like okay, Oladipo's going to play the two guard, then he ends up taking the point guard, and that, and that ends up being the same problem he had as in Indiana. If the um, ball being staying at your point guard, if you say you're going to keep him, um, that actually I don't think is bad with Alonzo Oladipo Ingram. No, but I think like Miami, Miami would be the best fit for him in the Eastern Conference out of all those teams. Yeah, unless Toronto, unless Toronto were to somehow get another star to put next to him, because I mean Siakam's good, but I mean if you were to get like Oladipo and say like another like like. I mean, say if we'll, we'll throw, I'll throw a name out there, like Julius Randle, right? Say if it's like Julius Randle, Villarreal, Depot, Pascal Siakam. Now, obviously, that team may not take you too far, and that's probably going to be a lot of spacing issues. But I mean, if it's like that, like that kind of a trio, Toronto could work. But I mean, they're offloading uh, Kyle Lowry. They like Ananobi clearly, so I think Toronto's pretty much set with their young roster and probably offloading Lowry. I, I just think there's a lot of moving pieces, so we're going to see how many teams are going to have cap space. Because, I mean, there's always, like, one or two trades that teams make out of the blue, and all of a sudden, you know, they're blowing it up. Okay, if you guys are a GM, what are you offering Auto Depot? Uh, I would say around 18 to $24 million a year would be where I would go. I was going to go a little higher, but around the same. I was going to say 20 to the 26. Yeah. But, I mean, considering that Horford got a four-year max on worse numbers than Oladipo. Yeah, I just think, too, there's not yeah. – so I think it's got to be in the 20s. There's, yeah. I think money's going to get thrown at him because there's not a lot of people left that's at that caliber. So that's really, like, the biggest issue. Like, I mean, I guess it depends per team, too. Like, um, obviously, Indiana was more – they had that connection with Oladipo going to be the Hoosiers – 
I mean, if you're Oladipo, you look at a team like Chicago, right? So Chicago were to go out and and get two big time free agents. I mean, fine, he's going to end up probably making a max, whatever. Now that's very unlikely considering the direction the Chicago Bulls are headed in. But I mean, where does Oladipo go where he can get that kind of max? Because I mean, Charlotte came out of nowhere and paid Gordon Hayward, and that's fine. They were after him for years too. They were linked to him in the past. So where does he go necessarily? Because I don't know, other than Miami, I don't know any other team that could offer Oladipo a legitimate package. And I don't even know if my Aunt Pat Riley would even offer him one in three years. Yeah, like it might be like a Kyle Lowry in Toronto type three-year max. Does Miami even have the money? Yeah, because Oladipo, uh, Oladipo would basically be Kelly Olynyk's contract will come off the books, and then they have two other players that they re-signed that'll come off the books at the same time. Okay. So they'll have the money to pay for uh, for uh, Oladipo's max if he gets anywhere near that. Yeah, we just have to, I guess, wait and see. I mean, Victor Oladipo, like I say, he, he's not really in the media like the Kyries, the Hardens of the, of the world. So I don't know what he's thinking right now. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's caught off guard. He's blindsided by this trade. Um, I mean, the other big free agent is obviously Blake Griffin. So if Oladipo ends up pretty much sticking in Houston, for example, Blake Griffin is the biggest free agent at 32. Yeah, exactly. Pretty much. Like, that's that's insane. And I know it's not like Blake Griffin's a bad player, but, like, now he's having teams draw plays against him. Like, it's getting to the point where his athleticism is now not necessarily a strength. It's probably like, oh, he's just as athletic as everybody now. Yeah, I've watched the Pistons game. They played the Bucks, and he's been shooting the ball more. He's gotten very good with that mid-range shot, though. He can create... Dropping a three, too. Yeah, he can He can create any bucket for himself within 18 feet. That's that's impressive, considering where he came from in the NBA. So, I mean, I don't know how much you would throw at a Blake Griffin or who would throw at a Blake Griffin. Well, it would depend on who is for Blake Griffin. So, like, I think Blake Griffin, it would be smart for Detroit to say, okay, Blake, where do you want to go so we could facilitate a sign-and-trade? Right. Because I think for Detroit, that's the best move. Um, and I think for Detroit also, it would be wise to have Derrick Rose probably follow Blake Griffin wherever he goes as kind of a buffer. Because if it's a veteran, it's most likely going to be a playoff contender that goes after Blake Griffin as like a finishing piece. And Derrick Rose, obviously, as a backup point guard, is going to get minutes no matter what team he's on. He would be, he could be on the Lakers right now. He'd be getting 15, 18 minutes a night. Like, that's how, that's how what Derrick Rose is. Matt's like, yes, bring him to the Lakers. And I would say at that point, you know, the Celtics have that trade exception that Detroit could get themselves out of cap hell. They have Daniel Tice. That could probably be the four. Um, Take on the trade exception, right? Because he'll be a free agent. Right. But if it's a sign and trade and that trade exception is still there, so that could be like Blake Griffin signs the contract in Detroit, but then he would get moved. Uh, So that's kind of the logic there. But, I mean, even with that, Boston might not even have to do that because if Detroit decides to sign Daniel Tice with the cap money that they have newly, which they will have some cap room, I think, next offseason anyway, they might actually be able to sign Tice outright and say they give him 13 to $14 million a year, which is probably what Tice will end up getting on the open market considering the undersized fours and how the value of small ball in the NBA 
he might get that much from Detroit, which I don't know why they didn't give Christian Wood that deal, but that's a different story. Um, you know, it's Detroit for you. But if Tice comes in, plays with that young roster, then Blake Griffin's a free agent. But I think Blake Griffin's going to get more than $20 million a year still. So I think for Boston, they have to do a sign-and-trade and facilitate something with Detroit because otherwise they can't afford him. So that exception could come in handy if Detroit just like, well, you know, we'll sign Blake Griffin on bird rights, and then you can give us the trade exception, and then we can sign Tice as our restricted free agent, which is kind of how some of those deals always happen. It's like how teams trade draft picks. So draft picks are never officially traded on draft night. They're always done like like whenever the rookie contracts are signed. So it'll be like you're trading the rights to pick, you know, so-and-so, blah, blah, blah. But the trade doesn't go through three days later. That's kind of the same logic with signing trades. So I think for any any anybody that doesn't deal with Boston at this point, considering that, you know, Kem is on a max deal, Jalen Brown's on a max deal, Jason Tatum's on a max deal. Um, it's basically going to come down to whatever deal happens with Tice and then whatever deal happens with Smart in two years. But Smart's an unrestricted free agent, so that's a little more complicated. But that's the next two windows for the Celtics to really make moves. Although in two years, Kemba and Smart are both up in the same year. So that is a max deal that opens up. And I think in two years, that, that class will be a little, the free agent class will be a little better. Oh, a lot better. Because that's Bradley Beal as well. Ooh. And Beal and Tatum have a connection, which without going after James Harden, like the Danny Ainge fact, everyone always wants to know, well, Ainge don't like trading draft picks. Ainge don't like doing this. I think some GMs in the NBA are a little too, um, a little too hesitant to make deals. I think that's always something that NBA Twitter always attacks. Uh, Larry Bird, for example, I think is one of the more um, frugal GMs. He doesn't really like making trades out in the open market unless like he feels it's a young player that he can probably generate into more assets. Like Every single star that he's had in Indiana, with the exception of Re- Reggie Miller, because he inherited Reggie Miller from Donnie Walsh, he's turned into assets, whether good or bad. Now, keep in mind, he turned Steven Jackson into negative assets. He turned uh, Ron Artest into negative assets. Jermaine O'Neal was banged up by the time he moved them. Jamal Tinsley was banged up by the time they moved him. Uh, you know, you can go into that next group. Paul George got him Oladipo and et cetera, and that kind of kept Indiana afloat. And right now they got Karis LeVert for Oladipo. And keep in mind, T.J. Warren they got for nothing. Miles Turner and Sabonis were draft picks, and they can move Turner to maximize that team. And they have Brogdon, who they kind of stole from a division rival. So as far as I'm concerned, like, I mean, people can criticize, well, if you don't win championships, what are you doing? But at the same time, being sustainable, the ownership groups that own these teams need to make money. It is a business. Sadly, that's what it is. It might be more beneficial for business to be competitively good than to be championship or bust. Can you tell that to my owner? He don't seem- well, I mean, I think Houston has kind of stuck to that model for a long time. I don't think Houston's bottoming out. I mean, at this point, it might benefit them to bottom out, though, Pierre. So I think Houston's done right by, I think the Houston ownership for the most part, I would say 85% of the time this time around, as opposed to like back in the old days, I think this Houston ownership is a lot better than what they've had in other sports. But at the same time, like I, and I know I get told this as a Red Sox fan all the time with John Henry, because I have my gripes with John Henry, but at the same time, you're winning and you're competitive. What more can you ask for? But at the same time, you don't have that elegance of having like Kareem, you know, Hakeem Olajuwon spent his whole career with Houston, except for like one season or like 
having Eddie Johnson and Calvin Murphy that played a long time in Houston. Or like, you know what I mean? You don't have those players that play like a long time. And I think that's really the issue with a lot of these player trades and how quickly these roster moves happen. Because like, you don't have the elegance of having like a 13-year player on a team anymore. Like, that's rare. Having Nick Collison, like I know Riley's mentioned on the show, like Nick Collison played 13 years with the, with the Thunder organization when they were at the Sonics and the Thunder. Yeah. That never happens as a role player. Yeah. So anyway, because you have a lot of young, younger fans and it's really the younger fans and they feel like it's championship or bust because they see all these guys jumping teams and all that. And I think when Giannis resigning in Milwaukee, everyone goes, Oh, Giannis got played. And then they see Harden get traded to Brooklyn and they go, well, okay, you know, Harden pretty much turns the Lakers and the Nets into the two favorites and that's fine. But, I mean, then people clown the Denver Nuggets and the Boston Celtics because their cores – I mean, okay, the Celtics deserve to get clowned for obvious reasons. But, like, because they're Boston, everyone hates the Celtics. But the Nuggets built a nice, solid core. They got to the conference finals when nobody expected them to. They beat the Clippers. And they gave the Lakers all that they had as a young team. But at the same time, like, they get clowned because they don't have the opportunity to make a big trade. And they're not necessarily a city or a market that can entice a big star. Dallas is the same issue. No matter how good Dallas was, I mean, they had Dirk, but no matter how good Dallas was, there's just too much. There's not enough in Dallas around there, marketability wise, because a lot of these players that are in the shoe brands, they have to pay attention to what their marketing revenue can generate too, because a lot of their endorsements, that's their spending money. A lot of the salaries, if they're smart, they don't spend it. Yeah. So that's another angle of this. A lot, a lot of these players make more actually with like their shoes than actual playing the game. I mean, Paul George going to LA, that was obvious. Yeah. And- Kevin Durant going to the Warriors, that was obvious. Like, And, and then to New York. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I think I just, I love talking about the Rockets here, as you know. Um, I think they should, I think they should bottom out. I think it's going to be hard to attract superstars. I think there's a lot of young talent coming with like Cade Cunningham and Kaminga and Bates and all these guys coming in. Well, Houston, Houston's a different market. I mean, Houston's one of those markets like Miami and Atlanta and the South where the, it's, it's a no income tax state. So that's very that's very attractive to athletes. I mean, Lamarcus Aldridge did say that was a factor why he signed with the Spurs. But unlike San Antonio and Dallas, Houston got a bit of a nightlife. Like Houston, I mean, J- James Harden proved it. I mean, they treat Houston treated James Harden to, Harden like royalty for eight years. I think if there's a young star, if Christian Wood becomes a superstar and they treat him well, and Christian Wood's openly recruiting guards to play with him and John Wall, and John Wall gets healthy and can be a legit two A or a three, Houston's in good shape. Yeah, it's it's do you like John Wall or do you try if you actually bought him out? He's one of those players I would see if I can trade and get an asset for. Oh, absolutely! He got half a season, so you can do what uh, OKC did with John Wall. I mean, with uh, Chris Paul, I guess you could do that. A team like the Clippers, for example, might be interested in the off season. Uh, maybe a Toronto, and you take Kyle Lowry as a veteran point guard with a young team, and that might be a good idea with a rebuild because Lowry's still good enough to compete. But at the same time, like now you have younger players nurtured by a veteran like Lowry and Lowry played in Houston early on his career. So there's a little bit of a thing there for the fans. That could be a move they make. Uh, I just think Houston, there's a lot of flexibility now that they have. Not because Harden's contract's off the book, because Keurig's and Dante Exum, I mean, okay, Exum might not be much of a factor. 
But Kirks is also part of the guy, uh, one of the guys that got back, and he's a good shooter. Uh, Oladipo, I think, is a fantastic grab no matter what happens. And then, I mean, no matter what the picks are, I mean, Cleveland, I mean, you know, Milwaukee's 2022 second round, first round pick, what is that going to mean? Nothing. Brooklyn's picks on 2025 and 27, too early to tell. So I think at this point for Houston, it's just an ability to start over. I would have kept Karis LeVert. I agree with Pierre. I think Karis LeVert with the young, I mean, then you could keep Eric Gordon as a starting two and kind of explain, okay, give it half a season and see what happens. Um, and even if you traded Gordon and, um, and Tucker, you would still have probably enough guys on that roster that can play every night and at least get you to 35, 40 wins and compete and at least get into the lottery in the top 10, especially in this draft. You definitely want a top 10 pick in this draft. Yeah, I can definitely see, uh, John Wall to like a team like the Clippers. No. Well, I mean, not necessarily because Houston, Houston wouldn't want any of the assets the Clippers have, but that's one example of a team that may overextend themselves. They don't really have anything to offer Houston, though. Um, yeah. I was talking more from the Clippers' standpoint because you've heard through the grapevine that they've wanted maybe like a point guard like that to pair with Leonard and, and Paul George. Right. Houston's standpoint, it makes much sense. I mean, if they were to entice a young free agent and traded Wall just as a salary cap dump to sign that said young free agent, I'm sure Pierre could forgive them for that. <laughs> it would depend on who the free agent is, though, right? Yeah. Oh, of course. I don't know. The only way you'd have to give up, like, a Zubak, you'd have to give up, like, a Lou Will. Isn't Lou Will a free agent next season? It- the year after. The year after. Okay. That was a dumb deal that he signed. He could have gotten at least $4 million more a year on that deal. Yeah. Especially with those California taxes. Free agent. Oh, he is a free agent. I thought that was a four. I thought it was a three-year deal. Oh, that's right. He signed at 18. Okay. He could be a player that teams will go after as well. He's going to get paid. Yeah, I mean, scorers. I mean, Jamal Crawford's been in the league. He's still 40 and there's still interest in him. If you could score basketball, you're going to be in the league for a long time. Right. Even though this season he's not playing the best so far, we are just getting really started in the season. Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize Torian Prince was in that trade to the Cavs, too. Oh, geez. I wonder who the Nets have left to defend anybody on the perimeter now, too. Yeah, that that was my my question. That was crazy. Like, I, I, you know, I wasn't really thinking Torian Prince as, like, starter minutes type guy, but, like, wow, they traded Torian Prince, too. Like, who's even left on the Nets roster? Like, Bruce Brown's the best perimeter defender on that team, other than the obvious two? Like, Kyrie, no defense. Harden, uh, defense is there when he wants to show it. Durant, right. hold his own on defense. Jordan, yeah, we know. Brown, he can play defense. Shamit, no defense. So... I mean, there's a couple of veteran free agents. Like, Ersan Ilyasova is available as a free agent still, I think. So, Brooklyn could probably fill the roster out with some veteran minimums, like Matt said earlier. Um, just looking at some of the names. What's that? Stay away from Gerald Green. He, he, yes. Why? I mean... I don't want to see him on no other team. <laughs> I want to see Gerald Green dunk. Uh, you know, Gerald Green, Jeff Green on the same team. That would be like, you know, let's just let him dunk all day. 
<laughs> That'd be fun. I mean, that was fun to watch in Houston for a while, actually. We still got. I'm gonna say his name wrong. I don't know how to say it. Timothy uh, Luau. Oh yes, actually, he's he's he needs to play minutes. He needs to play some more minutes. So maybe that's that'll open up for him. And I hope we can get a look at that rookie they drafted in Reggie Perry. Uh, he he's got some exciting highlights. Yeah, he was he was solid too. Yeah, I mean it's 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 crazy. Like um, with this, with how deep this draft is, I think Houston is going to have to probably make one move. It'd probably be better for them to move Oladipo before March. But at least if Oladipo plays a little bit, and even if they, what's that? Would they be able to move Oladipo by March, or isn't there a uh, like? I don't know. I mean, I saw Trevor Ariza get traded three times in one month. So I don't know what the hell's going on in the NBA. I don't know. It's not like NBA 2K friendly where it makes me wait like 80, 90 days. Well, I mean, it might be. Uh, actually, that might be true. But at the same time, like, I don't know if they could be like some kind of thing. Like, it depends. I, I, I'm sure. I, I don't know what, what the rules are in the NBA. Because as I said, I mean, Trevor Reza got traded three times in like 27 days. And I remember this very vividly. And I'm like going, damn, they turned the NBA 2K thing off, didn't they? And that was exactly what I put. I don't know the exact rules, but maybe it's if they play a game that's into effect. Maybe if they don't play, you can trade them. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it would have to be, it would be considered like a multi-team trade at that point, I think. But then again, there's already four teams involved in this trade. I don't know. They could just ride out Oladipo and then let him walk in the offseason. But for Houston, that kind of feels like stupid when you trade a Karis LeVert, who is a young player that has a good contract, pretty much like. I get his injury concerns. I get his injury concerns because I saw him play at Michigan, and I thought he was he was on that team with, like, that final. He was on that team that went to the final with Trey Burke and and, and, and company there, Mitch McGarry. Like, that was a good basketball team. He was, a, he was probably the most talented player on that team. I'm legitimately saying that out there. I'm not just saying that now, but he's been that. The injuries have always held him back. If it wasn't for injuries, like, he would have been a top-five pick in the draft he got in. And that was the one with Ananobi who went like 14 for 15th or whatever to Toronto. Like both of those guys were legitimate top five, top 10 picks. So that just shows you how talented he was as a youngster. So like Houston gave that up for Oladipo. Now maybe it works better with Wall. And I think it could, to be honest, but that's a different story. Man, I just hope, you know, I don't, I know we're not going to be a, Top tier team, just compete. That's all I want. You know, I'm still yeah. rooting for them. Of course, I'll keep my eye on Harden because you know I I do want to see how it works out for them. But I mean, you got other teams around the league too, man. You got the the I mean the Sixers, the Bucks. See, I don't know if I buy Philadelphia yet. Philly has to prove it to me in the playoffs. Oh, you weren't on the podcast last week. I'm I'm a big fan of what Philly's doing. I I think they're gonna. Oh, I am too. But at the same time, like with Doc, I want to see how he coaches this team in the playoffs because, I mean, we saw it last year with the Clippers. You know, in the regular season, it's, the Clippers looked like they were cruising. But then when it comes to a series of seven games, like it's different when you're playing a different team every night. But when you're playing a team seven times, potentially, and you can't make – and you can't put your players in a position to adjust. Like Philadelphia is not necessarily a team that's going to match up well with the top four teams in the East. I still think they're the fifth best team in the East at best. Like with Boston, I mean, Boston's owned them in the playoffs before. Boston may not have a big, but they might have a big by playoff time. And either way, Tristan Thompson's going to be a matchup. is going to cause a little bit of headaches for Joel Embiid, at least for a little bit, 
while him and Ben Simmons go off, but then they're going to have to rely on a third scorer. That's where the Celtics have Kemba Walker back. That's a, that's a de facto bad matchup. Miami, I mean, Miami could just bully Philadelphia the same way that Philly can, so that's not going to be well. Milwaukee can bully Philadelphia the same way, but that's a tougher series for Milwaukee. Indiana could give them a tough battle in a 4-5 series. And then never mind the fact that, um, well, I mean, Brooklyn could just outscore them. So, I mean, either way, Philadelphia right now, that's, that's, the, that's the prognosis of what they're at in the playoffs right now. And, and even that, like, I'm not fully convinced, like, about Philly. I just think with Doc Rivers, like, it's the same old crap with, with Doc Rivers. So it'll fizzle out. <laughs> like, I've seen this all before. It's nice in the regular season. Boston's getting Kimba back soon, so you can't count them out. I wouldn't even play him till after February, like after Valentine's Day. Mm. Like I was ready to keep him out till after Valentine's Day, but now with you know everything that worked out, Jeff Teague's kind of slowed down a little bit. But Peyton Pritchard's played really well. I've been impressed with Peyton Pritchard. Uh, he's going to be a cult hero in Boston for many, many reasons, um, <laughs> noted and unnoted reasons. But um, yeah, I think if this team, as I said, we need height. I mean, Tyson Thompson are doing good, but, you know, they need height. They're going to get bullied by some of these uh, bigger teams in the East. Oh, yeah. I mean, the Pacers bullied us for, like, out of the two games, there were about 110 of the 120 minutes that we played Indiana in those back-to-back games a couple weeks ago. Indiana dominated. Absolutely dominated. But, you know, Jason Tatum and Brown combined for like probably 40 minutes, 40 points in that 10 minute span. So that's what won them both. Uh, that's what won the first game and only lost the second game by two. Ooh, man. So that's kind of like for the people that say, well, trade Brown for anybody. Like, that's that's kind of why they're keeping them. Yeah. So Jalen Brown is on another level because when, when Tatum's not going, Brown is going. So I love the. Right. I, I would hold on to it as long as I can. I really would. But out, out in the West, though, Matt, I mean, it's pretty inevitable that the Lakers are going back. Other than the Clippers, I don't see nobody stopping the Lakers. Hell, I don't see nobody stopping the Clippers other than the Clippers. But Well, we got to see with the Clippers because, once again, like, I mean, with Ty Lue, I mean, Ty Lue's a coach that obviously is one with LeBron. But, like, right. once again with the Clippers, like, we've seen that team collapse in the playoffs already. So I think it's like how Toronto was for a while. You know how Toronto like kept couldn't get the monkey off their back, and then once they got to Kawhi, they were able to win, uh, which is ironic. Kawhi's on this team too. I just think for a couple of those guys, they have to be able to like, as I said, in a seven-game series, it's different than it is when you're playing a different team every night. It's a different mindset. Yeah, man. So what you're thinking now that you know you don't have to worry about Harden anymore or the Rockets. <laughs> you should be good now, Matt. You should be good. We helped you out. Yeah, I mean, well, who's the next domino to fall then? So that's that's the that's the that's the that's the next big one. That's really the question. Who is the next domino to fall? Well, Matt, you were going to make a point before we mentioned the domino. Um, yeah, I just said the Lakers. The only the only team in the West that I think uh, could possibly beat us is, is the Clippers. Yeah, but yeah, the, the seven game series that would be tough. Oh, I'm too, not too worried about like the Suns in a seven game series or anything like that. No, but I mean, yeah, there's a lot of exciting teams to watch. You know, Phoenix, there is there's absolutely a lot of exciting teams. The Lakers have been playing playing really good though. 
Um, I mean, we've walked past the Rockets all week. Oh, they just had to go there. Yeah. But, I mean, as far as the next domino that falls, as far as, like, the star caliber guys, I mean, Oladipo kind of fell right when Harden did, so that was kind of convenient. And then, of course, Karis LeVert, despite the fact he was signed, like, we knew that was going to happen anyway because Brooklyn was definitely going to make a deal, it seemed like, from the very beginning. So is Bradley Beal the next domino, considering how the Wizards have struggled? That's really the question. I mean, Westbrook's out with an injury now, and they right. look bad. I mean, they did beat – who did they beat the other night? Where Bradley Beal had 38. Oh, Phoenix. They blew Phoenix. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, for Beal, like – see, if I were the Miami Heat, I would be calling the Wizards, like, harassingly, like, twice a day, going, hey, when you guys going to blow it up? Hey, when you guys going to blow it up? Because you know what, Russell Westbrook, we can give him, we can give you two shooters for Russell Westbrook instead of one. You know, that's the kind of deal. Like Pat Riley could like play on some plot, if you will. Like, I mean, Duncan Robinson and Kendrick Nunn on the Wizards with Russell Westbrook, it's not necessarily a good deal. But I think for the Wizards, like both of those players could probably play twenty minutes a night and contribute, at least offensively. Yeah, but and then I mean Thomas Bryant towards ACL, so that sucks. Right. Yeah, that's what got me, because... But at least you got something with those three. And then, obviously, the high draft pick with Denny. Yeah, so... We just got to basically stay tuned to see what's the next domino to fall. Um, Of course, we're going to have... I don't know when Harden's debuting. I don't know. Levert. Might be a good idea to have him go into shape. Having like a two week like booty camp or something, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good idea, cause you know New York got all that good food too. So I don't know, but I know the the press conference is gonna be wild. Very, it's gonna be like a Yankee uh, Stadium free agent signing. That's for sure. It's gonna be wild. Like I just know it is. So how do you feel? <laughs> My gosh. Matt, you got anything before we get out of here? I'm excited to see uh, before the deadline what happens. I think we'll see a couple more pieces move in. Some teams that are on the cusp um, just go all in. um, And we'll see some teams bottom out and give up some of their players. So uh, I think the player I'm most interested to see uh, what happens is uh, actually P.J. Tucker. seeing which which team he'll go to, but I think he will definitely be traded before the deadline. Brian, what about you? Oh, uh, I mean, as far as, like, the last domino of the fall, I'm waiting to see what uh, – what, well, obviously, number one is a Celtics fan. What Ainge does with this trade exception is probably going to be uh, – it's going to it's gonna affect the NBA future for sure because everything he does kind of has a domino effect. And – the other big thing is also like what other team, as, as Matt said, what other teams decide to bottom out. I mean, there are some prime candidates, you know, teams like the Kings, for example, that all of a sudden, you know, guys like Buddy Heald are all of a sudden, you know, could be thrown around in trades or like maybe a team like Dallas with, you know, their two young stars, they might just purge the rest of their roster to try to squeeze some things. Maybe because they're trying to compete for some of the other level free agents. Could Detroit finally just give it up completely? Um, Chicago looks like they're having a fun season again. So, you know, there's just a lot of dominoes to fall. And, you know, Bradley Beal getting moved is probably the next big one. So that's that's what I'm paying attention to. 
That's for sure. As for myself, I am waiting to see what happens with my teams. And, you know, I love the draft picks. We're set up nicely for the future. That's all I have to say about that. I would hate to lose P.J. Tucker. However, I would hate to hold P.J. Tucker hostage. You know, I feel like his assets can be used somewhere. If we are tanking and going under, why not let him go to a contender? So that remains to be seen. Also, in closing, we know I don't. The trade is official. the The Harden trade, Levert right now is still a rocket. The Oladipo trade has not become official just yet. Should be wrapped up soon, but these guys should be able to make their debut sometime this weekend. Hopefully, if all goes well. I think they changed the COVID protocol that allowed them to play because I know previously they would have had to wait like, what, a week a week before or something like that? So I think if they get uh, negative tests, consecutive negative tests, they'll be good to go. The whole COVID protocol and all the pro sports, like especially we talked about this on Reform Hooligans too, was a lot of the COVID testing going on in Europe is just wild. And I know the Euro League too, they've they've been they've been trying to get the COVID testing down pat because they've had they had a few teams that have had to shut down camps over in Europe because of COVID exposure. So, you know, the NBA has to be very careful. I know Aaron Gordon talked about a bubble and everything, so We'll see what the league does. Obviously, maybe by the time you guys record next week, the league might have an idea of what they're going to do because they might have a solution by then. Because we've had some postponed games that we were looking forward to that was postponed. Uh, Three Wizards players tested positive, so hopefully everything clears up because it's not looking good right now. So definitely, we definitely will have an update on the next recording. You guys have any questions, comments, concerns, hit us up. FullCourtPress82 at gmail.com. The website is up now. SSAW.com. Is that correct, Brian? That is correct. Right. Or you can also go on Facebook and interact with us in the SSAW group. Riley, we miss you, man. I know you, you like me. You're sad about this trade, but it's okay. We'll be okay. We will be okay. Matt's always excited. And I know, Matt, I know you're looking forward to the next trade. I'm already knowing. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we thank y'all for listening to me out.